Welcome to the Down in the Dirt podcast where we are getting dirty talking baseball and I am your host Carson Lee and would you look at that we finally have intro music on the podcast it took long enough but I finally got it on there thank you for joining me today on episode number nine of the podcast this week's podcast is going to be a two-part episode with part two releasing next week It's a pretty cool episode because I sat down with my teammates who all had multiple years of professional baseball experience and we had a roundtable discussion where they told their stories and journeys and what it takes to play professional baseball. I'm very excited for the next four weeks of episodes I have coming. Like I said, this will be a two-part episode, but after next week, I will have another two-part episode where I'm talking hitting with my teammates, so you want to make sure you hear that one. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening and tuning into the show. While you're here, it would be greatly appreciated if you could rate and review the show on whatever listening platform you are on. This helps the show grow and also attracts sponsors. Be sure to also tag me on social media whenever you are listening to the episode. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast and have the notifications on so you will know when a new episode drops. And if you aren't following me on Instagram, be sure to follow me at CarsonLee5 so that you can get updates on the show and also send in a question to be answered on an episode. Now on to this week's episode, episode number nine, roundtable discussion with my teammates. All right, so I'm sitting here with my teammates in Trinidad, Colorado, and we are going to do a roundtable episode with you guys. Um, it should be pretty interesting because we have a bunch of guys in this room with pro experience. Um, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Y'all know me. My name is Carson Lee, and I'm letting them go ahead and introduce who they are. Uh, I'm Cutter <laughs> McDowell. I went to uh, Lamar University, and this is my second year of uh, pro ball. I'm Garrett Toddy. I went to Lebec Community College and Bacon College, and this is my second year of pro ball. Uh, my name is Zach Cameron. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, this is my third year of pro ball, and I went to North Greenville University, uh, starting pitcher. My name is Nick Snyder from Los Angeles, California. This is my second year of pro ball, and I went to Holy Names University. Uh, my name is Shane Brown. I went to the University of Central Florida. And this is my eighth year of professional baseball. My name is Lane Gussler. Uh, this is my second year of pro ball. I went to school at Madonna University in Livonia, Michigan. My name is Richard Edwards. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. This is my third year of pro ball. And I played college ball at Everwaters College in Jacksonville, Florida. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm a pitcher. I went to uh, Tyler Junior College. Feathers up. Juco Bandit. This is my second year of pro ball. Uh, my name is Peter Pena. I went to uh, Mansfield University. I'm a catcher. This is my third year of pro ball. And if you remember me, I just did the last episode. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Down in the dirt all day, every day, baby. <laughs> You're still not going to be number one. I am number one at the moment. Bro. Yo, this reminds me of D2, the Mighty Ducks. You ever <laughs> see what they're all telling you where they stuff? All right, so uh, now we have everyone introduced. I want to start off... Um, with the same script that we do on the previous podcast. Um, starting in high school, obviously I would assume we probably all got into baseball the same way. Um, probably started T-ball, parents throw us into it when five years old. Pretty much agree, yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so when we got to high school, who all played multiple sports, and do you think that translated over to uh, um, baseball? And do you, 
like a two-part question, but do you uh, advise guys playing multiple sports? Uh, I'd say I'd definitely advise playing multiple sports. I mean, I listened to Pete's podcast and he talked about, you know, the explosive, the explosive movements of playing football. And also, I mean, you know, they talk about pitchers, there's only so many bullets in the gun. I believe that's with every arm. Playing year-round is great, but you got to have those other experiences playing other sports to be a all-around athlete. So definitely, I, I, I'm an advocate for playing multiple sports. Same. I mean, you know, we talked about it last time, but I think it, you know, it definitely puts rest on certain muscles that you don't use. Um, definitely just teaches you different morals. You know, football, it's a very big culture. You can even say religion plays a part of it. You know, I know for us, even in New York, we're praying all the time in football. You know what I mean? And, Baseball teaches you different morals as well. Um, it's more of a mental game and stuff like that. I think it's just good to have a break, but I also think you need to be selective. Like like we talked about, playing in the Northeast, I knew I had to focus more on baseball than play football my whole career if I wanted to get somewhere. You know what I mean? I just say be selective, but if you want to do it, go for it. It's only going to benefit you. Yeah, because like, I know like we talked about in your case, just it being snowy up there, you know, majority of the year, and yeah. then also like, we also talked about the outplay basketball right. and how much I thought that like, just moving side to side and constantly jumping and running up and down like translated to agility in baseball. Exactly. And then you have those uh, athletic directors that tell you you can only play one sport and it kind of screws you. But yeah. That's how my high school was. We, our athletic director, only got to play one sport. You're only if you're lucky if you're like an actual like athlete of what he thought was able like that you would think that he can play. Would you play two sports? But my high school coach like you had to pick one. It's just what it came down to. Yes, basically, if you can't do it. Um, so now, when we we're all seniors, who all was thinking about going junior college and who was thinking about going to four year? Let's, let's get the verdict here. Well, my senior year of high school, I was only on varsity my senior year, so I kind of knew how my college plans were going to play out, and I wanted to go to junior college. I wasn't at that level, maturity level, playing level, to go straight to a D1 and play right away. So I chose to go junior college. You're only on varsity for one year? Yep. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. None of y'all know this man, Carter. This man is nice. Late gross part. Yeah. Porter, what about you? Because I know me and you both. Me and Porter went to uh, TJC. He was the year after I left. Uh, so that's how we're connected. Um, Cut this up. Yes, up. Up, go Doug Grin, what's up? Doug, you fresh. <laughs> nah, um, I actually transferred into Tyler from a different junior college. But out of high school, I had no idea how the recruiting process worked or anything. I just kind of went with the flow. The first offer I got was from small school in Missouri and hopped on it, signed, and went up there, hated it, shoveling snow off the field in March. <laughs> So I'd, uh, yeah, decided to transfer back closer to home, found out Tyler had a workout showed up. The rest is history and how I got into it. And I want to piggyback off that, uh, getting recruited. What kind of tips can we give these guys as far as getting recruited? So like, I know like with me, when I was in high school, I was sending out emails from having a visitor. Oh. Uh-oh. David Peterman. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
so David Peterson will be joining the show now. Nuts. Um, throughout the rest of it. Uh, but anyways, you know, like when I was a senior, I was trying. I was sending emails to like all these yeah. guys. My big thing now is like I'll tell guys that ask me, like, you know, like how do I get to college or how do I get seen by a scout? Like use social media to get your name out there. Get so like, what kind there. of like recruiting tips from our own experiences can we give this, these guys? I know for all of us it's probably different, especially just from going from the different schools that we've gone to. For me, I uh, I had offers out of state and uh, it got kind of expensive out of state. And uh, I went to camps, baseball camps uh, at the colleges. Like the showcases? Um, no, they have their own camps. And um, I went to UCF uh, for a camp and they offered me a uh, preferred walk-on spot. And um, with Bright Futures, the scholarship, getting good grades, I took it and then uh, earned my scholarship playing there. So, I mean, that's a different route. That was so the route you, I so took. So you're, you're an advocate for the camps at the colleges? Um, I mean, anything, you know? I mean, I wouldn't pass pass over the camps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go there, you get to play in front of the coaches, and, you know? So when you're at the camp, because, you know, it's like a one-day, two-day thing to getting seen, what kind of advice can you give to guys to make sure that they're performing their best, um, you know, like what the coaches may be looking for, uh, really just how to be comfortable in the situation and not put too much pressure on yourself. To yeah, I mean, it's tough. Much. It's it's stressful. You're going to be nervous and everything, but you got to stay within yourself and just stick to what you do. I mean, for me, I'm not a big showcase guy. I don't, you know, hit a lot of home runs in showcase or anything like that, but you get that opportunity. You'll play games at the end of the camp, and, you know, that's when you got to, you know, play hard and, and do your thing and show it there. But, you know, they, they give you a lot of opportunities at these camps, and it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff. So, you know, you'll get plenty of opportunities, and yeah. it'll shine. Yeah. Anybody else with different experience, maybe to help uh, go a different route? Uh, I'll say this, because uh, me being from a small town in uh, – so all you small town people. Yeah, all you small town people, all you small town <laughs> kids, please listen up. Just a small town. <laughs> uh, I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. I only have like 1,200 people in my town. And the the one thing that I'll tell all you small town ball players is, you know, they will find you. Someone will find you if you're good enough, but you have to make that effort to go find a place to play. They're not gonna they're not gonna roll up to your game with twenty people in the stands and make themselves known. They're just not gonna do that. You gotta go to showcases, you gotta go places to make yourself seen. You have to send emails. You have to call coaches. You have to you have to take your career to the next level. I know that I got advised that people will find you, people will come watch you play you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, and stuff will go the right way for you. I didn't get signed until two weeks before I had to go to school because I was waiting, waiting, waiting. Don't wait. Put yourself out there for people to see you and to see what kind of ball player you are. Make them not be able to turn you down. Exactly, exactly. If you, if you don't mind with what Garrett just said, you know, Garrett made some great points, Carson. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing... Um, <clears throat> through my experience in high school was uh, the fact that, you know, everybody, there's a place for everybody. There's a place for everybody to play. It's just how bad do you want to play. Exactly. 
you know, I'm, I'm from South Texas, and of course, I'm not going to be able to play at UTSA, the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. I'm not going to be able to go to a Big 12 school or go to a, you know, big Division One program, but I'd say for any kid that's graduating high school, it really doesn't matter where you start. I think the biggest thing is it matters where, where you finish, and... It's just the ride, the journey, where it all takes you. Well, you know, like what me and Pena talked about <clears throat> was going somewhere where you're going to be able to develop. That's what I was going to say. You, gotta be able to, yeah. you can't have that relationship with your coach, then, and you're not getting the proper development on the field, then it, it doesn't do you any good. How many, how many kids did you play with in Houston that went to a, let's say, Big 12, SEC, Southland, you know, Sunbelt Conference, and then – after a semester, they're transferring. Now they're looking at JC options. Mm-hmm. Juco bandits. Well, you see it. You see it all the time. That's well. It's like the when my first year at Tyler. The at Weatherford, they had the Big Twelve Player of the Year or Freshman of the Year transferred out. The shortstop. Mm-hmm. Who's the catcher? Catcher. Yeah. And the shortstops don't like ninety six across the country. Yeah, that was absolutely. Like, but I mean, they always had talent, so it was like. You got to say it right. I think the number one fault that people make in high school is that they go straight to the showcases though and they don't put their money in development. And we yeah, talked about that. Yeah. I said the Ben and Tendi story is that and I'm gonna say it for me, that's one mistake I made. You know, I was always tall, that was impressed coaches. I remember I went to a St. Bonaventure workout some D one school in upstate New York. I went to a little camp like Shane did when I was a sophomore. And I'm like six four and I'm wearing the gold chain. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm popping it. I have the high socks and they're all looking at me. They're like, I could tell they made eye contact. Then I run an 8360, so I'm a chubby kid. I was chubby as hell, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that was my problem is that I went right to that because I just wanted a scholarship. Whereas I think you need patience. They'll find you, like yeah. I said. Like, I didn't go to Juco until I was a senior. I didn't sign until I was a senior. But if I put more of all that money that I'm putting in the showcases into developing myself before I can feel confident to go there, anywhere in baseball, you can't just walk in, you know what I mean? Shane Brown earned his spot in the camp. I bet you Shane Brown was working very hard. And Shane, that's why Shane Brown's playing eight years of pro baseball. You know what I mean? He was definitely out working young Peter Pena, I'm going to tell you that right now. And now I'm playing catch-up to him. It's just, it's just facts. You know what I mean? Just make sure you're putting in the development and practice for it. You know, nobody goes and – like, we, that's why we hit BP, dude. Mm-hmm. We don't just go in a game dry. That's why guys throw pens. Don't, don't think you can just walk into a showcase. There's very rare guys that can do that. You know what I mean? You need well, to, that's like the thing we talked about was don't be the guy going to the showcase, a lefty or let's say righty pitcher throwing seven. Right. If you're you know, if you're 18 years old graduating high school, like you gotta be able to have self-reflection and know what you are, and know that you know senior over here that's going to you know whatever Big 12 school, he's still in 91. Mm-hmm. So like like I don't compare to that. So maybe I need to go and work on myself to get to that point. Mm-hmm. To be able to, you know, yeah, totally go go up to those opportunities and that showcase them. But see if you could share your story because you, well, I know it. But to give it to them, it really is helpful for uh, high school and even to junior college. So uh, I didn't make varsity until my senior year. You know, I was a junior on JV. Uh, it took a long time for me to develop my tools. I remember being a freshman, sophomore. I didn't run hard. I didn't have any power. I didn't throw hard, but then I grew into my body. I started working out, eating right. And people don't understand that eating right is more than lifting. It's more important than lifting. So you have to eat right no matter what. Um, and then 
I just got better and better and I was able, I got some eyes on me and I had two uh, walk-on offers for junior college and I chose the one that I was going to play at the most. Well, and then from junior college going to Lamar. Yeah, I ended up getting, you, uh, I ended up getting hurt. Your resources to, yeah. to get there. So I had a couple of coaches that knew the coaches at Lamar and then that, that got the doorway open for me. But it's just walking on and being able to show your stuff because a lot of those guys are on scholarships and you had to out-compete them. So it's just all about working hard. Um, uh, did, did any of y'all go to a four-year a four year for all four years, like the same one you did? Yeah. What did. do you think the pros of that are? Like versus going to a junior college and getting to play, you know, like as a freshman, getting to play as a sophomore and getting, you know, 100, 200 bats in those two years. So like, could you kind of like, cause that's kind of like my, you know, why I tell guys go JUCO so they can go and play and not, you know, maybe you go to a big D1 school and end up sitting behind a guy. So yeah, that's I mean, kind of my reasoning. I mean, I went in there and I was behind a guy and I started half the games and, and just had to, you know, play my way into a starting spot and then, you know, somebody might get hurt and then you take over and you never, you never go back to the bench, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it works out for different people and I mean, I know a lot of guys that went to junior college and did well, got drafted, or then went on to the four-year school and then performed. And uh, there's nothing wrong with going to, you know, junior college or D2s or stuff like that. You know, there's great players everywhere, and you just got to go where the opportunity is to play and develop, definitely. Was that, like, one of the big things about UCF was that you were still able to develop even if you weren't getting the at-bats, you know? Definitely. There was great, great coaches there. And uh, you were always putting in the work, always getting better. And, and when you got onto the field, when you got your shot, you were ready to go. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's the big thing. Just go somewhere where you're uh, able to develop, you know, have a good relationship with your teammates, coaches, etc. cetera. Um, but now getting into college, making that transition, being away, um, you know, having to have real responsibilities, how would y'all say that transition was for y'all? Uh, it was hard for me personally um, because I hadn't really ever been away from my family and it was just me my mom and my sister so I took from a young age since I was three I took mantle of being man of the house you know so I'm not gonna lie first day I was away I cried three hours straight you know but it's something I my mom wanted me to pursue my dream you know what I mean she she gave like I said I think I said this in the last podcast she gave me a life to do this you know what I mean so I owe it all to my mother I wouldn't be here without her you know, because it was just me, her, and my sister since I was three years old. So, I mean, for me, it was hard, but it definitely became more comfortable as I kept doing it. I kept living my dream, becoming an independent person, just understanding how to do things, stop being self-reliant on other people. Uh, <laughs> leaving home for me was kind of easy just because my parents had set me up for that, you know. Hey, we're going to – it was, you know, in high school, it was, hey, we're going to – we're going to – man, man, my – mom would go out date night and they'd leave me at the house and they said fend for yourself yeah and it was like okay I gotta cook for myself I gotta do what I gotta do around the house before they get home or else they you know they'd be upset with me but it was easier for me and and also you know when you see the same people every day for your whole <laughs> life you want to get same, out of, you same, want to get out so for me it was sure I went from small town to small town but it was 
It was an easy, easy transition for me. It was fun for me to be on my own, but I can understand. You know, I had a roommate that he missed home a lot. Dude went home every weekend. I understand how that is, you know. But for me, it was, it was getting out, getting to go meet new people and play baseball. I'm a very extroverted person, so it was, it was my, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my time for me to, to you know, I guess you could say be a peacock, man. Spread my wings and fly. Absolutely. Boomer sooner, right? No, shut up. Go pose. <laughs> Uh, I feel like for me though, uh, the big thing was just like making the transition of being on my own, having my own responsibilities and, you know, cleaning my room, taking out the trash, getting my homework done, not staying out late, doing all those kind of things. Um, what, did any of y'all win a uh, conference tournament at schools? Was that only one? I guess. I didn't well, know, but I guess. Who, who like went to a like, winning and then who was that like losing program? I was at both. <coughs> I was at a loser. Winning and losing program. Okay, let's talk about the losers. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Right. However. I was at a program that was ranked nationally and I think we got up to seventh seventh in the country at one point this season. And we ended up missing the regionals. We had a one-game playoff to get into the regionals at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas. And we lost to Odessa, Odessa Community College, and that was the end of it. What school was, it was this? Just, huh? What school was this? Was at Clarendon, Clarendon, Clarendon College. And it, like, the toughest thing was, was you know, being able to travel on that trip, because I was, a, I, was a, I was a red shirt, being able to travel on that trip, and just the amount of time I'd spent with the sophomores and everything that I'd learned from the sophomores, and everything like that, and just riding back to to campus and just looking at those guys and thinking, wow, like I'm never gonna be with these guys again. Like I'd only spent one season with them, but it was my first season away from home, away from my family, everybody, and it's just looking at them and thinking, you know, these guys were so hard on me at times, and at times that you know they knew when to push, they knew when to kind of ease up, but I'm never gonna. I'm never going to, you know, I wouldn't say see these guys, but I'm never going to step the field with these guys again. And uh, that was something that was actually very difficult. Yeah, just because build those relationships. Build those relationships, exactly. Um, but for us losers, <laughs> how, also, I mean, <clears throat> shit, when I was at Prairie View, we lost for three straight years. I kind of want to talk about, like, how you get through that adversity of losing every day and just... <clears throat> Like still finding a way to get better and going through that shit. Like how you, how you dealt with it and still were able to make your own progress to help the team. I think mostly it was pride. I think for like my myself, like the last college I went to, Boynton's University in Oakland, like we were terrible. Like we get just boat raced by some of the teams, and like you can tell there were some guys that just went out there and just wanted to go out there, just be on the field, play baseball, and be with the guys, and some guys that actually wanted to get better every single day. Like, I had to go and, uh, our field was off campus, and I had to go and pretty much steal the key so I can go hit before practice started. Yeah. Because we weren't allowed to have the key right there, so I literally just stole the combination and got the key so I can go open up the field. Like, that's just some of the stuff you just have to do. It's, I'm not saying to go steal stuff, but <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, like, you have, you have to find your own opportunities to get better. Yeah. I agree with totally, because that's how I... 
my team was the man scale I transferred. And I, I mentioned this, like we made a joke. There was the guys that wanted to be ball players and then there was the frat boys. They wanted to use the fact that they were a ball player to uh, get into parties or throw parties. And like I said, I love all those dudes, but you know, sometimes it was frustrating because you know if guys wanted it more, you could have had a more successful team. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's all about investing into your own career and, you know, still putting in the work to get better. Cause I know and it's like, not even the times when you're struggling. It's the times when you're actually doing well that you should still put in the extra work. Yeah. Because there's always times where you're like, oh, I'm hitting well. I don't need to go take the extra hacks and here or there. It's baseball. It's a roller coaster. Exactly. You have your high points, you have your low points. Game built on failures. So yeah, you got to figure out how to get through it. I remember the times when I'm in junior college, freshman year, like, I can't hit a curveball to save my life. Me and my buddy went after practice every single day, pitch a machine, and just put curveballs on. Then we, we actually found it. Yeah. We figured out how to hit it, and then it kind of uh, progressed, and that's how we got better. And that's how we ended up being able to get out of junior college and go into schools that wasn't that were a little bit better, but like we got out of the junior college and to further our careers. And for me, just throw the record out there. We went 12 and 30 my freshman year. We had guys saying that their hamstring was tight so they wouldn't have to play that day. But I'll tell you this, like, and I and I hit 344 that year. I had a pretty good year as a freshman. And so the thing for me was going up to the plate and saying you're the you're the baddest MFer on the field right now. Whoa. And sorry censored that out but you're the baddest dude on the <laughs> field right now you're gonna square up this baseball that's what kept coming me kept taking me back to the ballpark every day with a smile on my face it was like hey you get to do something right now that that a lot of your buddies back home would love to be doing they'd love to be on a ball field right now but they didn't they didn't put the work in that you did to get here so you might as well capitalize on it right now we're not playing well right now but you might as well capitalize on what you got. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then my sophomore year, we lost ten games in a row in one point, and I was playing for all for every single one of them. And it was just like, hey, help your team win a ball game today. You guys are still in somewhat of a playoff race. You're still trying to get in there. We ended up getting in by the skin of our teeth, but you're you guys are still in the playoff race. Go see if you can help your team win a ball game today, whether that's Catching a good ball game, playing first, you know, or going two for three or whatever. Like, find the little thing that you can to help win a ball game that day. Yes. Yeah. You just throwing in a yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing in a yeah. yeah. Um. Overall, though, what was our favorite college experience that we had? Because like, I know for me, baseball-wise, getting to play at A and M when when they were. Uh, ranked number one in the country and they were on their 27 game win streak. We're playing at Bluebell with 10,000 people there sold out. It was just an incredible experience. Uh, anybody got their favorite experience? Yeah, my junior year we played uh, LSU at home and they were ranked seventh in the country and we ended up beating them, I want to say 14 to 12. We had the most people we've ever had at uh, Lamar University, I think 3,500 plus people in the stands. Like It was usually one of the funnest games I've ever been in. Going nine for ten in a doubleheader against the team against the college that didn't want me after I made a visit up there. They said they wanted me, but they never called me back. 
going nine for ten and kind of showing it up there we were in, that was a pretty good experience right there. Yeah. Can't tell me it's from Oklahoma. I don't know. I'm an Okie. I'm an Okie. Tried to proud to be an Okie. My freshman year at uh, Eastern Michigan, we got to play Clemson at their place for three games to open up the year. That was pretty wild. You get to see like a that was a powerhouse team. You get to see what real ball players were like doing four games, like showing to the field for real. It was crazy. I have a second one. Playing at Wichita State was pretty cool too, but. No one was at that game. We played in front of like 20 people, but that was pretty cool too. Transitioning uh, into pro ball, Shane, I want to see if you, because I know you're the only one in this room that's gone through this process, but kind of like the draft process. And uh, I know going, you know, your whole year kind of talking to guys, um, how to not get distracted, but then also just to handle the process and uh, make the best decision. Uh, the process uh, had a lot of scouts coming to the college and you fill out questionnaires you get a lot of letters that was the coolest thing <laughs> getting letters in your in your locker from all these big league teams and having meetings with them and filling out questionnaires it was really cool you get a lot of attention and it's a lot of fun and then on draft day back then it, we watched it on the laptop they didn't have it on MLB network but Watching uh, your name come up on the screen, it, it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, I enjoyed the process a lot. It was a lot of signing, making that that decision, especially if you know. But then you get drafted a few times. Uh, junior year and senior. So like yeah. making the decision, you know, as a junior, should I go back or should I stay? Like or um, sign? Can you kind of shed light on that? Um, junior year, I got drafted late. I was out in uh, Alaska playing summer ball and saw that I got drafted. And it was late, and I wanted to sign. I wanted to go play pro ball. And um, I talked to my head coach, uh, Terry Rooney, and um, he talked talked me into going back to school. And uh, he upped my scholarship and, and uh, talked me into going back to school and that it would be, you know, the right decision for me. And, uh, and it was. I went back to school and got even better, put up bigger numbers, and uh, I got drafted higher my senior year. For Lane and, and Cutter, because I know y'all have been in the frontier, Cutter and Lane at USPBL, what do y'all think is the difference in the leagues? Like, what's what separates guys? For frontier and Pecos? Yeah. Or just yeah, yeah, general? Yeah. Uh, I would say the pitching, the ability to command all pitches for a strike, uh, being able to attack the ins inside and outer half is what you know really ate me alive last year, not being able to hit an inside pitch, because they, they pound you in, especially with a wood bat. So uh, you gotta be prepared for that. Yeah, and everyone can hit a fastball no matter how hard you throw. We had guys throwing 97 up to 100 miles an hour and people were piecing it up. Like, you gotta have secondary pitches, third pitches, um, i say a lot of people take a lot of pride in early work, like people out there getting in cage work before games, ground ball before games, like people get out there very early. Games will be at 7 o'clock, people will be out there like 1, 2 o'clock doing early stuff. So, I mean like, the, it's just like a big league approach. We had a lot of guys, like double A guys from Marlins, outfielders and stuff like that who have been there and, and seen what it's like to be in that type of environment. So they like kind of brought that and passed it down to the other guys. So that, that was cool for the experience for sure. Yeah, you learn really quickly from the older guys what you need to do uh, to be successful. 
Uh, I know guys would get there, myself included, at noon and just hang out in the locker room, hang out, watch TV. Uh, we had a weight room in our locker room or in our building. We had two cages, one with a self-feeding machine. You know, there's there's always room to get work in, and that's what you have to learn. That to be professional, you have to put in the extra work, and usually it's by yourself. Yeah, you know, if they if they don't see you putting in the extra work by yourself, you normally get the snips. So yeah. you have to you have to show up for sure, or else you're gonna be going fast. Yeah. What what kind of like what do y'all do to handle like the daily grind of baseball, especially Pecos baseball? Myself, you know, I told I talked to Rich a lot about this, and that's that. I talked to a friend in JUCO, and he said that a lot of people that, that try to be selfless on the outside really aren't. You're not giving yourself enough love on the inside. You know, inside, you need to be a selfish person and give yourself love. That doesn't mean, you know, if Carson's like fielding ground balls at first, I'm gonna just go over there and take first from you and do that. I'm saying like just do things you love. So like for me. I love watching just, you know, videos. Like I said, like in the MLB expansion, just watching videos of like anime. Like it's weird, but I do, you know what I mean? Just like, I love watching tennis. That's my second favorite sport besides baseball. You know what I mean? I try to do as many of those things as possible to give myself happiness because when I give myself as much happiness as possible, I can give it to other people. When you're selfish in here with yourself and what you love to do, you can express that on the outside and be selfless on the outside. Whereas if you do it vice versa, you don't give yourself love you want to be selfish on the outside, it turns into a very selfish person because you want certain things to go certain ways. So that's how I handle the daily grind. That's just, you just got really deep. Hey, man. <laughs> I agree with that, though. Yeah. We just went to a whole <laughs> other level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mind blown right now. Hey, man, I've had practice. This is my second one, you know? Yeah. No, but he, he brings up a good point, though. Like, there's it's a just point, a conversation. There's a point in time where that... There's a point in time during every day when you're playing baseball every day that baseball stops and your life starts again. And for me, like, I mean, one, bodily-wise, you got to get your rest every day. That, but that's a given. But for me, it's, for me, it's once the day ends, I call my dad. And, there's yeah, we talk about what happened in the game, you know, how you're at bats and stuff like that. But then it stops and it's, Okay, how's everything at home? How's how's family? How's this? How's that? What are you doing? This and that. So I like, I want to get away from the game, you know, so that I don't. Because I mean, last year I didn't do that, and I struggled mentally to to perform. I struggled mentally on the field, and because it was. My off the field because life. Because you were never separating yourself. Exactly. I was constantly thinking about what I'm going to do, my next at bat, and well, who's throwing tomorrow, stuff like that. There's a point in time where you got to get away from the game. Do something to get away from the game. And for me, it's for me, it's either watching movies, listening to music. I, I mean, whatever it is, taking a drive, whatever it is, you got to get away from the game at some point if you're playing this thing every day. Because it's going to eat you alive if you don't. I think my biggest thing, like, is just making sure I'm still being active and working out. I mean, to be honest, man, PD said it best. In three and a half weeks, reality starts for all of us. Yeah, that's, that's right. what I always think about. Exactly. I, could be, I could be working nine to five, dead end job. That you know, what I mean, just like we all could. You know, we're all blessed to live a dream and have an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. So it's that's what keeps me sane. I guess what you would say. Definitely. Like, 
but for this to be successful, my opinion, you know, indie ball, it's it's very very, it's very contradicting. It's, I love it, but it's, it's one of those things. To be successful, you almost have to put everybody in front of yourself. But it's kind of like what Pete said. You have to have that selfishness inside. You have to think. Still, I have to do what's best for myself in any given situation. Because at the end of the day, nobody for one wants to wake up and say, you know, my, my dream is to play in the Pecos League or my dream is to play in the American Association. It's just, it's, you know, and as great as the American Association is and how, how amazing it is, who wakes up, who lays in bed at night as a kid and dreams that? Nobody. No, but you have to take this business as a job because it now is a job. No matter what the paycheck says or if there's a paycheck at all, you have to treat it as a job at this point. You have to put in you have to put in that nine to five. You have to put. You have to treat those eight hours. You are pushing a time clock when you get to the field. Yeah, it's more and than eight hours. It's way more than eight hours. It's, it opinion. is. It is way more. It's got about hours. seven hours in the field. You got about three hours recovery. Like it's, it's a twelve. It's a twelve. It's a twelve hour day. And ten hour, hour drive. And sometimes you play action. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> but you know, Cutter made a great point. Like you see a lot of veteran guys and whatnot. They live at the field. You look at Dustin Pedroia. I think, you know, if he could sleep in the clubhouse, he would have. I mean, he was at the field every day at 10.30 in the morning. Just hanging out, you know, having his coffee, watching, you know, watching what's ever on, uh, watching what's ever on, on, the, on the tube. And uh, he's hanging out, and then he's going to, you know, maybe get a light lift in. He's going to get some cage swings, and then he's going to go out there, and he's going to get his early work. To be successful in this business, you have to live at the yard. And you have to, you have to breathe. I don't even want to say this game at this point because it's it, it's still a game, of course. Yes, it's something we're passionate about, but you have to think of it as a business at this point. You have to think I have to go out and do my job every single day, just like it's a nine to five job for us in the off season, or we're not going to have that job in a week or two weeks. Who knows? A day to three days. Contracts in any ball, they're not day to day; they're hourly. So what have you done for me now or lately kind of thing? What have you done for me hourly? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be willing to do anything to get to the next level. Anything. MLB should be number one priority for everybody playing baseball. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like you said, no one wakes up and wants to play anything other than the highest level. So shoot shoot for the show. Yeah. Because if you know, if that dream doesn't work, I mean where you finish from there. You have all your other yeah, hobbies and stuff yeah. that keep you sane while you're playing baseball. You know, yeah. you have all the stuff that you can exactly. fall back on that you've always had besides sports and besides this other stuff going on. You have all the friendships and relationships you've built over time. Exactly. You know, people people say what they want about the Pecos League or anything. At the end of the day, like, I've been here three years and every year it's gotten better. And at the end of the day, what you, whatever happens, happens. Like, guys, some guys here have played higher levels. At the end of the day, we're all pro ball players. Not a lot of people can say that. What's I mean, on baseball yeah. reference? We're all, yeah. you know, yeah, all of us here are going to be on baseball reference or already, sorry, already on baseball reference. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's a it's a huge step. You know, sometimes I feel like it's underappreciated because, like you like you said, we all aim for the stars. You know what I mean? But in reality, it's nice to sit back sometimes, and give yourself some credit, and that's that's the self love I talk about. Like you know, just look at how far you've come before you take that next step. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes guys lose that. They don't realize. You know, they 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 want so much. You know, it's like one of my coaches told me I was young. I had the Kobe Bryant mentality to be my fault. I never had enough, and so that and I would never be happy. And it would never, you know, it would be my downfall. And that's something I really self reflected on, looked in the mirror, and said like, you know, sometimes I need to look back and just give myself a pat on the back or just say good job before, you know, I go back into that grind mode. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that's what that's we're good. talking about. That's deep. That's settle, deep, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That hit me deep. Bro, I ain't gonna lie. That hit me deep. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you talking. <laughs> that hit me deep. Never settle throughout this business. Definitely. Never settle right. and never be okay with where we're at. Exactly. Yeah. Well, think of all the indie guys that have already made it to the show. Like, yep. We did those it's in the all, front. Yeah, it's all possible. The Colabellos, the Peraltas, the Delavars. Like, it, yeah, it is. It, it, it's it's very possible. Max serves her. Max Scherzer has American Association. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. You know? what, what was that Tanner, Tanner Roark. Um, it was Scott Casman. Scott Casman. <laughs> I mean, that's a great story. Um, Even a couple of guys, I can't name them off the top of my head, but I know there's like two or three pitchers that played in Pecos. There. Chris I, Smith. Yeah, they're in the show. Uh, guys, what's... Oh gosh, I can't. Chris Ed- Chris Edwards, I believe. John Edwards. John Edwards. John, yeah. John Edwards yeah. with the Texas Rangers. I mean, yeah. also a cancer survivor. Hill? You know, um, Rich Hill. Know, Pecos. Though. We're talking. Those two were just Pecos guys. That yeah. Rich Edwards. <laughs> that's what I almost said. Rich Edwards. Uh, good. Well, that's that's good. like the dude. Not yet. That was, that was working at the brewery in Milwaukee, and played in the frontier that one year. The next Christian year. Yellich. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Chris Colabello. Um, no, he's a pitcher. I know who you're talking about. But he was he was Marlins pitcher of the year at the next year they signed him. Oh, and I, he was in the show. Richards. Richards. Yeah, Richards. Yeah, yeah. Gateway yeah. 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 I, I think the yeah. biggest thing with the Pecos League, though, is is 80%, 80% of the Pecos League, they are, how do I put this? They're striving to be professionals. 20% of it is content saying they are professional on things that they can put on social media or they can go back home and tell right. their friends right. and right. whatnot and saying, oh, hey, like, yeah. I'm here, I made it. Like, yeah. honestly, you know, those, those, that 20% is what gives this league a bad name. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does so many great things for so many people. Yeah. And it's, it's that 80% that are trying to do things the right way, move the right direction, that want to compete day in and day out. And they aren't content with being who they are. Bigly, um, yeah. Complacency is a big plague in this league at times. Definitely. And you know, it's it's weird because I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, like yeah, there's leagues higher than us, but we don't have the radar guns constantly. We don't have like the exit velocities on the scoreboard, and I feel like a lot of guys would be surprised at what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like. There's so many. You see those stories. Uh, the rookie, of the uh, the rookie of the year, the one with Dennis Quaid. Not it's the rookie. Oh, rookie, the rookie, rookie, rookie. Remember how he threw past the the speedometer and it said like 78, and he walked away disappointed. And then it filled 98. It said 98. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of guys in this league that have talent that they don't even realize what they're doing on a day-to-day basis because we don't have that those records to put it down or that you know those guns and things like that. And you know what I mean? Like I just feel like. 
you know, they just stay away from that complacency. They're going to see great things. Like, like I said, there's great talent in this league. You know, that's professional baseball. Though. There's a lot of great talent. And, you know, as long as you stay away from those plagues, those distractions, the sky's the limit, man. Five years ago, if we were to put a Salina team in the American Association or the Can-Am, we don't win a single game. The, the level of talent has just gotten drastically better throughout the years. I'm amazed every single day. Well, that's what, I, that's what I've said about this team. This team could right. freaking play in the Frontier or the Canyon. <laughs> Easily. We, uh, nothing against this team. I think this team definitely compete. I think that what we see, what I was able to witness in, in a league like the Canyon is the level of consistency on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. The understanding they have for the game of baseball is in a way that not just the IQ, but just the, the way they go about their business is better just because they have an all-around better understanding due to the amount of experience that they have. Totally. The more and more you sit and watch this game, you get a better understanding for it. I mean, you have, you hear that coach when you're in Little League and it's you, you learn something new every single day when you watch a game, right? But the more you sit and you study a game, you just get a full-on understanding for it to where you're almost like, oh my gosh, baseball is really, it's like common sense in a way. It, as ridiculous as that sounds, oh, spot on. Yeah. it's just like, wow, like at some point you feel like everything kind of just clicks. And I think the biggest thing from seeing guys in the American Association and the K&M is just the, the understanding they have for the game and it's you might not understand certain things they're doing in certain moments of a game but there's everything with everything has a purpose now when we had that can-am team last year you see a lot of guys that maybe their approaches don't look very good at the plate or maybe they, they get out there for some mound time and they're just trying to really let it eat they yes they are trying to showcase themselves but what's very difficult for that in that situation is these managers are also sitting there saying, what is this guy's IQ level? What is his understanding for the game of baseball? And it showed for a lot of guys. A lot of guys got eaten a lot. Then you have a guy like you know Jordan Cummings who just has a great baseball IQ in general. And you see that he goes out there, he says, okay, hey, I'm 88 to 90 today. My fastball has some sink. I'm gonna live on the, I'm gonna live on the corners. I'm not going to try and be more than who I am. I'm not going to try and light the gun at 94, 95 today because that's not me. These managers see those kinds of things. They, I think the big thing is understanding your skill set and having a, realizing who you are as a player and then from there kind of letting your IQ take over, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. Like I, I really take things like when Albert Pulis says he's a line drive hitter, not a home run hitter, seriously, because... He knows he's going to hit 100-plus balls for hits. Only 40, if you're elite, 40 of those, 30 of those are hits. Or home runs, sorry. And you're, you're getting 170 hits, you know, a year probably when he was in his prime. So think about that. You know, he knows at the end of the day he wants to be productive all around. Yeah. And then I think of guys in the big leagues. But pitching, it takes me to pitching. It's like these guys aren't trying to miss barrels in my eyes. They are throwing strikes, and their stuff misses the barrels for them. And that's why a guy like Rich, I talk to him all the time, the dude doesn't try to miss barrels at all. I really feel like that's a very high level of pitching in terms of IQ. No, I told PB, I was like, 
He's yeah. freaking great Maddox. Right, but that's exactly what I'm saying. I tell guys all the time, like the more you seek things in life, the more they don't they, they don't come to you. You know what I mean? Pitchers, what they try to tell you, they, they, like he said, it's common sense. They try to throw strikes. That's why stuff is looked at so high, highly, you know, when evaluating a pitcher because stuff's what's going to get you to miss barrels and things like that. But at the end of the day, you got throw it in the zone. You know Rich's I mean? shortest start on full rest this year might have been opening day when he went six innings. <clears throat> Yeah. At 67 pitches, but how many starts have you had this season to where you were 90 plus pitches? Probably none. Not a single start. <laughs> Let's be honest. Not every I mean, he's averaging 75 to 80 pitches a game. And as a defense, how do you not love playing behind that, whether he's getting barreled up or not? Exactly. You're in the game constantly. You're going to want to make plays because, for one, he's working fast, but two, he's keeping you guys in the game. He's not trying to go out there and blow it by every single hitter. Very, yeah, very high level. And that is the end of part one, the roundtable discussion with my teammates. Be sure to tune back in next week to hear part two of the roundtable discussion with my teammates. Thank you for getting dirty with me on the Down in the Dirt podcast.